Welcome to episode 30 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Dockery. Hillary, how are things with you? Pretty good. Hanging in there. <laughs> you know, yes. trying to stay safe still, trying to stay, uh, be smart in a state full of idiots. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's whatever. It's, yeah. I just keep thinking of the fall scenario with schools and like the... It's over. I, I just... The different possible scenarios and I just want to know. Yeah. Definitively. And I think the unknowing is the thing that's... Yeah. Driving up my anxiety well, about the whole thing. The thing that bothers me the most is the is the education whatever department of Florida saying that we have to... Mandating. It's got to mandate the, in school and then, and then it, of course the byline is... But it, you know, it's up to the counties to decide. Yes. I was like, why don't you just say that? Because I know that we'll be okay then. Like, I feel like Broward, Broward will, be will make the, the better decisions. I feel sorry for families that live in counties that are red and are going to go yes. to whatever they, they think. You know, a lot of people don't still believe this is a real thing. Um, they don't. And we have a governor who said, you know, kids aren't affected. Yeah. Essentially is what he said, which yeah. isn't true at all. Right. And they could... Even if they aren't affected, they could still be carriers and affect their family. Right. So it's just very careless. It is. And it's so. a little frightening. And I feel bad for teachers who are going to be forced into that position. They also have kids. And, you know, how are, who's going to be taking care of their kids while they're forced back to school if their kids aren't? You know, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And I don't know if we're looking at, like, the bigger picture of it all. Right. I was so. thinking about Florida economy, too. Mm-hmm. I was thinking if... The state would have done the right thing from the very beginning in March mm-hmm. and had very strict lockdown measures that we would be starting to come out of it because our season begins October, November. Right. And if this isn't locked down, right, this could potentially really affect the Florida economy because we defend like we depend on our tourism. And if no one's going to come down here in the winter because Florida is an idiot state. Yeah. That's going to be worse for us. No, it's already. And, and there's no, like there wasn't any force of thought in thinking summer is the perfect time to lock Florida down. Right. It's the perfect time because right. no one is here. It's so damn hot. <laughs> I think they could have locked us down from March to August, mid-August yeah. maybe, and or beginning of August because that right. would have give us two weeks before school With started. mandatory masks, to see, all of that stuff. Yeah, to I, really like give us those five months of a buffer. And yes, that would have been really hard on businesses. There's and and I've I've kind of said this before on my social media like there's business there are a lot of businesses that are going to close and that's nobody's fault the government can't help that they can't yeah. save them it is a pandemic that the government didn't create but no. things are going to fail and and it's it's right. it sucks and, and it's awful but it's yeah. nobody can control it but what you don't do is open up a state to quote save businesses and help the economy no, when all you're going to do gonna collapse anyway. is within two months they're gonna, Broward's going to be shut down within two weeks there's no yeah. doubt about it to me I think Broward's going to be shut down within two weeks they're going to get those fourth of July numbers and that's going to be it like that's what's going to happen is all these cases like th- what day today so today's July 12th so so fourth of July was a week ago yeah. we get another week I think yeah. within another week we're going to hear that Broward's numbers are, are even higher than they were before. I wonder how that's this is going to affect our August 18th election. We'll vote by mail. Like, I hate vote by mail. I'd never advocate for it ever. I hate it so much. I do too. So my issue is 
I haven't turned. I I thought that I mailed back the vote like request, mm-hmm. and I haven't. I'm voting in person. I'm still well, going to go in it, person. Yeah. So, but I think. But do you think it's still going to be open? Yes, I think it'll be open. They, yeah, they won't shut down. I don't think polls. they will. Listen, they didn't do it in what was that state? Wisconsin. Yeah, that state that did that. Yeah, I mean they'll have to practice the social distancing, the yes. masks. Well, they did that. So when I voted yeah. in the in the March, me too primary, Same whatever thing. the March thing. I, yeah, it was all social yeah. distance. There was had, nobody there, and I voted early, and there was me nobody too. there. That's my plan is to do it early because yeah. if I mail it in, it could take up to forty something days, and then no. that's after the eighteenth, and I'm like, Ugh. I have to vote in the eighteenth election. I cannot. So, I cannot. I it's, have, it's, it's it's stressing me out. It's stressing me out too, but I'm I'm an in person kind of gal, and I me get too. the I get the difference between voting in person a year ago versus now. Right. But no, I think the polls will be open. I think that there will be low numbers. You know, primaries is usually not that high, but but it's been high lately because ever since the Trump's been elected, the November 2018 primary midterm whatever was huge for Florida and Broward, but I don't know. Now we got to wait and see. All right. Before I do my story, I wanted to give a shout out mm. to, we did a um, guess our episode um, thing on our Instagram where we put some clues to uh, Hillary's uh, <laughs> when Elvis met Nixon uh, episode and the ladies at Criminal Discourse Podcast figured out the clues and uh, I want to give a big congrats to Trish and Maddie of Criminal Discourse Podcast. Take a listen to their show. It's a true crime show. You can follow them on Instagram at Criminal Pod, and their website is criminaldiscoursepodcast.com. So nice. yay, ladies. Thank you. Yeah, we had the big Elvis glasses, the <laughs> Oval Office, a badge. So it was fun. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So today, oh girl, episode thirty, episode bish. thirty, so fucking excited. When it's I was crazy. setting up to to record this, like in the editing pro- uh, software today, I put in you know episode thirty to save it, and I was like, holy shit, this is I insane! Know. I'm so happy. Me too. All yeah. right, so you're first. This yes. brings me so much joy. I know. Me too. And I love our mucksters. Me too. <laughs> me too. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you the story of former. Arizona property assessor, Paul Peterson. Do you okay. know this story? I don't, but I'm <gasps> excited. <Yay>! Okay. <laughs> Paul Peterson served as property assessor after winning a 2014 special election. But when rumors circulated about his potential involvement in a human trafficking scheme. Oh, nice. People start assessing his value. As an elected official. Mm, I like you. I love these little... I've never told you how much I love these sentences. <laughs> oh, my God. So our story takes place in Mesa, Arizona. I have to say, the whole time I was doing this, I kept, like, wanting to write Scott Peterson. That's <laughs> oh, like, God. I, you know, I don't know, <laughs> yes. but it's Paul Peterson. Yes. Um, and it takes place in Mesa, Arizona. When I think of Arizona, I think of deserts, cacti, the Grand Canyon, and some fun facts about Arizona. Did you know... That the bolo tie is the official tie of Arizona. Girl, I cannot. We are going around that state. I will never. Can you imagine? That's the official, the official tie, the bolo. Oh, God. I didn't even know that was like still around. I, 
<laughs> I actually heard about a, I've heard a bolo joke recently because I'm rewatching Parks and Recreation, oh. and so someone the guy walked in with a bolo, and Tom goes, <laughs> he said something like "badass bolo, bro," and yeah. I was like, "Yes, <laughs> so good." Oh my god! So. And the cacti there are as plentiful as like palm trees in Florida. So yeah. that to me is so weird. I would, I've never been there and I would, I just like to see that, like just to walk around and see a bunch of big yeah. cacti. I don't yeah. know. So the other place of importance of our story is the Marshall Islands. So Marshall Islands are islands and, um, but they're also a U.S. associated state mm. in the Pacific Ocean. So it's independent. But it signed an agreement with the U.S. and it's the Compact of Free Association, which governs the diplomatic, economic, and military relations with the U.S., but their citizens are not U.S. citizens. So mm. um, some of the the Associated States are the, the Federa- Federated States of Micronesia, the Republic of the Marshall Islands, and then the Republic of Palau. And so um, this is just one of them. So just... That's an important fact to keep in mind as we go on. So um, I want to just give you a little bit of background to Peterson before I go into his crime. So according to an Arizona Central article by Chris Coppola and Uriel J. Garcia, Peterson has a lot of history in Mesa. His family has been there for over five generations. And they even claim to be like some of the first like people that settled in that area. Mm. And, um, you know, establishing all those roots. And additionally, Peterson was an active member of the Mormon church, the LDS, the Latter-day Saints, and he would do missionary work in the Marshall Islands. Okay. Okay. So he served within government agencies before being elected. He was a uh, public information officer. He was involved in the local Republican Party. And his dad, David Peterson, uh, served as a state treasurer until he had to resign Mm. in 2006 for failing to report income. So, um, and my, my husband loves the show called trailer park boys. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like a cartoon. No, no. Well, I think it was a show and now it's a cartoon. He, he watches it. There's this line that he always says from it and it, and it, and it fit for this. It seems like the shit apple doesn't fall too far from the shit tree. (laughs) And this guy is a shit apple. (laughs) I love that so So, much. Yeah. So I just thought that was funny that like his dad was involved in some corruption and then here he is. Yeah. So meanwhile, Peterson in his day job worked as an attorney and his law practice focused on adoption. Okay. And worked Mm. out of Arizona, Utah. In Arkansas. I'm already getting the bad feels here. Yes. It's already bad. Yes. So he was elected. Um, so originally he earned a seat running as a Republican during a special election that happened in 2014. And then he won a four-year term in the 2016 election. And after winning in 2014, he continued to run his law practice. And according to <clears throat> that Arizona Central article, Peterson's bio on the property assessor's website noted that, quote, his law practice remains committed to helping people all across the country in their effort to adopt children. Uh, I, 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 Tina, I know I am getting <clears throat> the worst kind of vibes from this fucking yes, story right I now, know. girl. Please. So his office helped folks adopt children without <sighs> going through a third party or other agency, and Ooh. this is where things get sticky, yeah. and mucky. Okay, so. Basically, he's this property assessor, and I feel like people know what a property assessor does, um, but in case people don't, um, they assess the value of real property, and real property is the land and the buildings on it, and that's how 
they estimate for tax purposes. Right. Right. Or insurance, stuff like that. And things like that. Yeah. But as far as his work as a property assessor, like it doesn't really come into play. It does in terms of trust. Okay. Right. Because he's an elected official. He's got this title. And when people um, go to his law office, he's a lawyer, he's an elected official. And so people feel like they could trust him. So in a way it does come into play. <sighs> right. So what did he do? So Peterson was accused of going to the Marshall Islands and paying pregnant women Fuck. to give up their children for adoption in the U.S., and he was getting a nice payout for it. So the thing is, um, according to a New York Times article by Ari Pebara, Peterson commits this crime. It's a crime. It's, it's a crime for many reasons, but one of the things that federally that was an issue is that these women didn't have visas to come into the U.S., right? Okay. So he would bring them into the U.S. Um, and the other thing he was doing was coercing them. So when you have vulnerable women mm -hmm. and you say, I'm going to give you $10,000 for your baby, you know, if they weren't offered that money, would they have given their child up for adoption? You know? Yeah. Like, so he comes in and 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 that's what he does. He He talks to these women into giving up their babies. And the other thing that he did is that the adoptive parents on the U.S. side they didn't know any of that. They just thought these women are giving up their babies for adoption. So here's what I don't understand. You know, if that's his job to do this adoption thing, you know, he shouldn't have to go find women to give up their children. That's the weirdest part of all. It's like he's looking. It's it's a business for him, obviously. Oh, so yes. he's actively going out there and finding the business. But we're talking about human beings and babies. Oh, like, yeah. And, but, and he but, got paid a pretty penny. Right. But so usually if you want to adopt a baby, you would find a lawyer to like broker, not broker the deal, but like but go through the agency. Yes, yes. And it goes through an agency. It doesn't go through a direct person. Um, because you right. can't and there sell other, children. Right, you can't. And, but he's actively going after women so that he can make money off of this. Yes. That's so bizarre. It's it's awful. It's awful, yeah. Okay, so he was paid as a facilitator for about $30,000, and the birth mothers would get about seven to 10000 Essentially, he would charge the parents, uh, the, the adoptive parents, like forty grand. Whoa. Okay. And when people are desperate for a child and they go to some place that is this law agency for adoption and the guy's an elected official, they think this place is on the up and up and that yeah. this is a legitimate right. thing, right? And they don't have to wait or go through a lengthy process with Listen, different agencies. And this, like, I, these, I can, the adopting parents and these women are not... They are victims of this. Yes. They are not in trouble here. And the here. babies. And the babies. This, this, this guy's the bad guy. Yes. The adoptive parents, yes. All of the desperation, all of the things, yeah. absolutely. But what you're describing, trying to make it like they don't know, of course they don't yes. know. This is the bad guy. Yes. He's, yeah. So, okay, so 40 grand, right? And then, he's, and then he's taking 30 and skimming money off the top. This story is wild. So at one point, WLRN's, um, the NPR, explained that Utah authorities at one point noted that $2.7 million was flowing into his accounts in this, there was three year period. Holy shit. Right. And so the time frame, three years, about 75 adoptions, right. And at 40 grand a pop, that, that works out to about $2.7 million, about $3 million. Wow. But were all of those women from the Marshall Islands or were they from, oh my God, Tina, yes, stop yes, it. yes, for that, for that. So that money, 
right? Yeah. So I don't know if other adoptions were going on that were legit. Because I imagine there are women in America who are pregnant and want to give yes. their the baby for adoption yes, and they contact course. an agency or maybe somebody like this. But, but this is all from this island. This scam. Yes. Holy fucking A. Yes. So how things went down, apparently a state trooper was mm. tipped off when a friend of his got involved with Peterson so a friend was like looking into this agency and had the state trooper friend and was like, hey, can you kind of like vet and check this guy out and ask the trooper to look into it? So that was one thing. Mm. And in Utah. So remember, this is Arizona, Utah and Arkansas. So it's three states wow. that this is happening in. Mm. And in Utah, hospital staff grew concerned with the amount of women from the Marshall Islands giving birth. And when Utah officials investigated further, they found that most of the women had given Peterson's address as their home address. So to avoid that federal, that, right, the visa thing? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and according to Rose Law Group reporter, a staff member at Arizona's Mercy Gilbert Medical Center called the human trafficking hotline to report a series of women who didn't speak English coming in within days of each other and giving birth. So at all these different places, people are starting to get a little suspicious, like things didn't seem right. So people are reporting and looking into it. Yeah, because imagine all of the same women. Like you're noticing, yes. it's a it's a coincidence if it's two. But like, could you now, imagine? now it's like, yeah. <laughs> Thank God, people start noticing that. So when they raided his home in Arizona, Jessica Miller of the Salt Lake Tribune reported that they found pregnant women there as well. What? This guy essentially turned kids, like these babies, into a commodity. Right? He took advantage. He's exploited these vulnerable women. He's filled up his house with them, um, and then took money. For their babies. So it's like there's the socioeconomic issue that these women are facing. There's cultural, religious. He's coming in there speaking the language because he went on missionary trips. So he's using right like that experience as a Mormon. Oh, my God. So all of Tina, it is just crazy. Creep. Wait it's a minute. So, so he's married. Does he have his own children? Is this all happening in the house where the family is? He's married with his own children. Oh, I'm going to get to the wife later. Oh, she annoys God. me. <laughs> so he would go and recruit and that was it. He would recruit. That was the language. And when I think of recruiting, mm -hmm. right, th that to me is like coercion. It's trying to get someone to, to go along with what you're offering, to enlist in like his plan. Mm -hmm. And he'd offer them, like I said, $10,000, room and board in the States, pay for their travel. And the thing is, though, in some of the reports I read, like they would all be in like rooms together because they'd come in a few days before they had to give birth or, you know, things like that. And then they'd be in a room on a bunch of mattresses, no prenatal care, What you know, and like this is and then they'd give birth. And then within like a couple of months or so, he would then, you know, send them back. And like that was the cycle. Would they take care of their baby for those few months? I don't know how long, like, the process from... Yeah, like, where did the baby yeah. go after the baby was born? Did she nurse the baby? You know what I mean? Yeah. Was there a connection, a bond being made between this mother and, and the, the baby? baby? I know. Before it's, they find an adoptive family? It's terrible. Holy shit. So, according to the Salt Lake Tribune, Peterson's Law Adoption website, like, the language from his website once said, Paul is the only attorney involved with the Marshallese country in the United States who is fluent in Marshallese language. Because of this fact, Paul has been successful in hundreds of Marshallese adoptions across many different states. Wow. He's, yeah. a, he's a real hero. Well, wait until this part is even more bonkers. So remember, he is 
a conservative Republican in Arizona. Okay. And according to a CNN article, the scheme also cost Arizona, Arizona over $800,000 because he forged documents saying they were Arizona residents so they could qualify for the Arizona Medicaid program, oh! which at the time <laughs> paid out almost 20 grand annually for pregnancy costs. And he did this for about 30 births. Oh my God. Can you imagine? He stole from the Medicaid program. Wow. To help, right? And so. <laughs> what a fucking Because piece that's of for shit. the state health insurance program for low income people, right? So that they can help. So they came over from the Marshall Islands. He uses his home address so they can apply for Medicaid. Yes. Holy shit. Right. But, but we're, we're Republicans and we don't like those state funded programs. What but boy, fucking, did he use it. Wow. Boy, did he use it. Tina, this, you have hit a fucking jackpot. This story. This is, is like the king of the muck. Oh I think my God. we've met the king. Ugh, I hate this guy. <laughs> so the other thing though that I want to say is the Mar, it's a, this whole thing is a little messed up because the people from the island should have this ability if they come to the U.S. to have access to our health care. Mm. I think, right? But they're part of this. There's, a, there's an agreement. We have this free associated states. Um, and they come here under non-immigrant status, right? So if they're coming here under non-immigrant status because we have that compact, like, I don't know. Well, it doesn't exist, <sighs> right? So, so like because it, that, that doesn't exist, whether you like it or not, this yeah. guy's illegal he's illegal doing, doing illegal. something yeah, yeah but there is a i have a link to an organization um that's ha- helping to push forward and make some things uh, eligible for people in these associated states um and it's the asian and pacific islander american health forum and i have mm-hmm. a link there so people can check it out and see if they want to help with that organization so this was the thing that i was saying right that the marshall islands has this agreement and folks can come and work in the u.s with a visa but they cannot qualify for federal aid And another um, article I read, and this was really interesting. It was from the Arizona Capital Times. It explained further that the agreement set in place with the Marshall Islands in the U.S. is like, okay, you guys can have the visa, but they cannot participate in adoptions. So this is the other legal issue that they can get Peterson on because what was happening, and it was written into the agreement to protect women from exploitation that was happening from adoption adoption agencies because there was a time because there's a u.s military base right and all these military folks i think it was like throughout the 80s and 90s um maybe even i think this went into place like early 2000s um they were coming back with babies marshallese babies oh my god and they were like we we can't we got to protect these people and so for this particular island they put that in place so he had to know that that was also Yes. Part of the law. So yes. he's, he's breaking that too. Jesus. So um, Peterson, though, also had a co-conspirator. And this was a Linwood Janae who worked with prosecutors on a plea deal in exchange for testimony against Peterson. Now, she was someone from the Marshall Islands mm. that had given birth and had given, I think, two or three of her children as part of this um, like scheme, this ring that he was doing. And... People were like, oh, how did you, who took your baby? And so she became this like connector for Peterson and the island. Oh my God. So she got involved too. Right. Um, so an article in the Arizona Capital Times explains that Cheney claimed that most of the women come from, and I'm going to use the terminology from the article, a prostitution camp 
on the Marshall Islands. Oh my God. And there were girls as young as 15 engaged in sex work there. Mm-hmm. So if one of those women would get pregnant, they would just call Peterson up and come take care of it. So this it's, it's just the most devastating story. It's, I, it's, it, it's, it's wild. That's rape, by the way. They're not prostitutes when they're 15. No. That's rape. Please. I mean, this and is And then if they're in there from that, obviously these women are don't have options. So when the charges, which I'll get to it, um, in a second, were first dropped, Peterson was suspended from his role as property assessor for 120 days without pay. And he does try to fight that. Like his whole thing was like, I didn't abuse my power as a property assessor, so why should my mm. elected position what, what else be new? affected? Yeah. And I'm like, what? Wow. And he really claimed innocence for a really, um, well, I mean, it's not a really long time. This happened in... Uh, October 2019, but from October to January, he like was pleading his innocence. Mm. So there's three states. So the charges are different in each state. So in Arizona, it was three counts of transporting pregnant women for a commercial purpose, one count fraud, and that's because he's not letting the the adoptive parents know like where the kids are coming from. Utah charges were one count second degree felony, pattern of unlawful activity, four counts of third-degree human smuggling, three counts of second-degree felony communications fraud, and three counts of third-degree felony sale of a child. And in Arizona, or in Arkansas, five counts of aiding and abetting an alien smuggling for commercial advantage and private financial gain, five counts of mail fraud, seven counts of wire fraud, one count of conspiracy to commit visa fraud, and one count to commit money laundering. Mm. So after his arrest, CNN reported that Arizona Attorney General Mark... Bronovich had this to say, while Paul Peterson enjoyed a position of respect and trust in the community as that elected official, that's me adding that in, Mm. he manipulated adoptive families and bilked Arizona taxpayers for his own profit. Mr. Peterson must now answer for his crimes. It doesn't matter if you're politically connected, wealthy, or an elected official. The rule of law applies equally to everyone. WLRN's NPR reported that U.S. attorney out of the Western District of Arkansas, Dwayne Keyes, had this to say. Many of these mothers describe their ordeal as being treated like property. Make no mistake, this case is the purest form of human trafficking. Yeah. And they also reported that Utah's attorney general, Sean Reyes, stated, it's heartbreaking that these families from both countries were so cruelly manipulated. So, I mean, this is over three states, these islands, um, the, the guy is... And he's so cocky um, when you see his uh, picture. Mm. He's like the smug. He looks like a smug. Um, he looks like he like a, a smug frat boy. You know, that face, right. the hair, everything about him. Uh, in January 2020, Peterson pleaded his innocence, but he still resigned from his position as property assessor. Finally, even though for months he said he wouldn't resign Um Again, because he felt like he didn't neglect his duty as the processor. Like, mm-hmm. give me a break. And then in the USA Today also noted that when he resigned, he said he was resigning so he could focus on his case in court, quote, where rules and the Constitution still matter. <laughs> He's a real stand-up guy. Oh, my God. Constitution's on his side. I know. Please. <laughs> I mean, he's he's got it so twisted. He he abused everyone's trust. And mm. his role as an elected official helped him do that. But for the worst reasons, for money, for greed. And, oh, yes. and I mean, d- just complete disregard for, $3 million. for human decency. Ugh. So the aftermath. Um, there's not going to be a trial because finally, just last month in June 2020, Peterson pleaded guilty. Okay, good. So in Arizona... He pled guilty to 
uh, one count of federal human smuggling conspiracy charge, the fraudulent schemes and forgery, and um, he's going to lose his law license. In Utah, he pled guilty to three counts of human smuggling and one count of communications fraud. And in Arkansas, he pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to smuggle illegal aliens for private financial gain. So it's complicated because there's three different state jurisdiction and laws happening. And even though he's pled to these charges, there are still some other charges that might be dropped or that, you know, may not be dropped. And there's federal charges. So there's, you know, he's, it's, they don't know if they're going to like bundle as far as like what's the final thing. Because in each of the states, he could face up to 10 or more years in jail. Um, and the level of fines that he's going to be charged as well. So he's probably, I'm, I'm going to assume he's, hopefully he will go to jail for a very, very long time. So once that sentencing comes out, we can put an update on our Insta or something. Yeah. But but he pled guilty, so. Oh, thank God. I know. I'm like, ugh, they don't have to waste more money on trials in three different states in a federal trial. Like, it's crazy. So, um According to a CBS News 5 Arkansas article, one of his victims from the Marshall Islands cried after the uh, guilty plea, noting that they were, quote, happy tears of relief that he's now going to be put into jail and he's not going to bother them anymore. Wow. I know. So some points of interest. So I was wondering, like, this whole time, like, what about the babies that have been adopted? Like, are those adoptive families going to lose the babies? Like, and they said at this point, like, no one's going to have to give back children they've adopted. Like, That's they good. didn't know the circumstances under which he was getting the children, and nothing is going to happen to the birth mothers as they were victims as well. Of so, course. Yes. You know, so I was like, okay, like, because I was That's good. worried about, like, yes. you know, all these people. I and mean, there's all of these other people involved. And the other thing I thought was interesting is that he pled virtually because we're in right. COVID. So like, <laughs> I, I thought wondering. that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, an LDS church official condemned Peterson's actions. And, you know, he, he started this practice. He goes there on a, as a missionary trip, supposed to be doing God's work. One, going there trying to convert people to his beliefs. But then you're going to exploit them? Like, get, how, like he went there and was like, ooh. I yeah. see an opportunity. It's so Jesus. close. So um, during the investigation in Utah, as investigators watched the home, they saw many Marshallese women coming and going. And one couple visited the house during their adoption process. And they said, and this is according to the Salt Lake Tribune, that they witnessed about 15 women sleeping on mattresses in the house and felt like it was a baby mill. <gasps> Can you imagine? What is going on in that house, Tina? Get I to know. the wife. I need I to know. know what the fuck is going on with I this wife. I know. So, um, and that Shanae, um, she, that, you know, Peterson's Lynn Janae, the partner, she, like I said, she had 11 kids, gave three up for adoption. And that's how she, she made about $300,000. So he made 3 million. God. She made 300,000. The Salt Lake Tribune reported that the counselor general for the Republic of the Marshall Islands, Richard Hickson had this to say as of June, 2020. There's a whole pile of Marshallese women and children who are effectively stateless in the United States. They came for the foreign adoption that didn't happen. And now there's a lot of ladies without families that are having difficulties. Oh my gosh. Right? Because there's probably people that were like, oh my God, I'm going to get this baby. And now they're not getting this baby. And then there's women who are now stuck here. Wow. Who've had the baby and have to try to go home. Wow. His wife. Yes. Let's hear about this bitch. Girl. I can tell. I can tell already. So his wife, Raquel, 
Rocky, that's her nickname, Rocky oh, Peterson, filed for divorce in December, but she is standing by her man. So I watched this video. She did an exclusive for Arizona CBS4, and she said that pe- people either think she's an idiot or complicit. Okay, yeah. Both. Yeah, right. Both. <laughs> yeah. So their assets got frozen, and she had to move from their luxurious Baby home. mill. Baby mill. Right? <laughs> yeah. To a condo. Oh. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> awful. Divorce. And then she said, quote, he didn't do anything wrong, that she only saw, quote, happy families, and that she, quote, disagrees with the charges, and that people just wanted to, quote, make an example out of him, and that the only thing she questions was the optics, and the optics were, you know, you're a conservative Republican, and we're helping these women get Medicaid, and doesn't that kind of go against your principles, sort of thing. That was the only thing that she saw wrong with the situation. This is happening in her house, in her house. She, I mean, she, she thinks just, it's okay to have all these mattresses and, on the and, floor. No, okay. And he's making $3 million in three years and she's living the life. Like, of course, that's why she's know upset. what's going on. Of course. And if she really stood by her man, she wouldn't get divorced or oh, separated. Please. Did you say they separated? Or divorced? Uh, she, she filed, filed for, for divorce? divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's up to a certain lifestyle. She wants oh, to keep that God. lifestyle going. She had to know. There's women sleeping on the floor. Yeah, she no, had no, to no. know something. There's no way. This what is this a compound. Are they in a different part of the estate? Please. I mean, come on. The other thing that is interesting with her. So basically, there's a bill coming out that's going to make it more difficult to freeze a person's assets when they're accused of something. And I can get that. Like if you're accused of a crime, like you're not yet guilty. And now they're going to freeze all of your bank accounts, seize your property. You got to go get an attorney. Now you have access to no money like that. Mm -hmm. that, And if you're truly innocent, like that's going to really suck because now the prosecutors have an advantage because you don't have access. Yeah, but also, but right. the, but in this case, the money's in, from uh, illegal things, though. Right. So in this case, because he was accused of milking that eight hundred grand, that's how they went in and said we're we're taking everything. Mm-hmm. And so they seized everything: his office building, his vehicles, his Mesa home, family vacation home, four properties he owned in Arizona, Utah, Arkansas. So it may not have been in their personal home because he had all these properties, as well as freezing 11 personal and business bank accounts. So the wife agrees. So she's like, yes, it's been so difficult because we don't have like this. My husband did this. I have these four kids. I don't have any money now. So like I can see like for a family, like outside of these, this particular case, if someone was innocent, everything gets seized. Like how the hell do you pay your bills? Like how, you know, if you're not quite guilty. And so- they're trying to say they want to limit what can be seized because they were saying that um, there was a lot of stuff that was the money from this case, but there were also assets that had nothing to do mm-hmm. with his criminal activity that right. were also frozen, that the wife didn't have access to and she has kids. Like, I can see that difficulty, but I don't know. I don't know, you know, what the solution to that is. And I it's mean, like, I, maybe, and I they feel freeze like, it, maybe they freeze it until they can figure it out, you know? And if they have a case, they could probably see all that stuff before they even arrest him. So I'm sure that they can you know? see like this guy's shady as hell. Yeah. And he's, he, he had a salary from being an appraiser. That's that's yeah. not like he said. That's not part of what he was doing. Right. So at least that amount of money shouldn't be frozen. I guess. Right. But then I guess how do they go through and decide? Exactly. They have to. They have exactly. to go that's... through. They have to do that forensic accounting. Yes. And figure it out. Right. So that's the story of Paul Peterson, property assessor and human trafficker. I mean, this guy is disgusting. I hate him. 
I can't wait to see what he gets sentenced. And he better get sentenced a hefty, hefty, yeah, hefty amount of time. He's not out, though. He's still... Are they holding him? I think he's being held because now he's pled guilty. Good. Yeah. Wow. What a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, it never ended. Yeah. Three he's, years. He might be the king. A million dollars a year. Yeah. How does that guy sleep at night even? You know what I mean? And and he's like, I'm a Mormon. I'm this oh, good guy. I'm, I'm this family man. Please. <laughs> and he's young. He's like 40 something. All right. Today. <gasps> Let me sit back. Let me sit back. I'm so excited. It might be a little bit of a long one, but I've, I went through it this morning and I was like, all right, I'm cutting stuff out. There was just extra shit that we didn't need. But I was like, all right, I think I got it down to a good, a good, a good length, but it is a little bit long. I am going to talk about <laughs> your face is so funny. Former Illinois governor, Rod Blagojevich. <gasps> oh my God. I see his face in my head. You know, you see that hair. <laughs> that hair. Yeah. That mop. That big swoosh of oh, hair. Oh God. All right. Let's talk the about the same haircut this. he had when he was five, like that's the first ex- day of school, kindergarten. Yes. It's exactly what it looks like. And I think it was a dye job because of course, I mean, we know about him, but we're going to get into it, but he goes to prison and as he's in prison, it's like, it's just white. So now he's come uh, out of prison. It's like all this white swath of hair. It's same haircut. Same oh, haircut. God. Okay. So let's talk about good old Rod. Okay. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. It is. It's exciting. Okay. <laughs> all right. Rod Blagojevich was born in Chicago, Illinois, one of my, again, my favorite cities in, in the United States. On December 10th, 1956, he was the second of two children. His parents were immigrants from Yugoslavia and moved to Chicago in 1947. So he's a first generation. Uh, American. Blagojevich spent much of his childhood working odd jobs to help the family pay its bills. He was a shoe shiner and a pizza delivery boy before working at a meat packing plant. I have to do, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now go get your fucking shine box. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> That's Pesci, right? Pesci? It's Joe Pesci? It's, uh, well, it's, he gets told. Oh, right. Maybe oh. I haven't heard it. I, I don't shine shoes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Goodfellas? Am yes, I wrong? Yes. Yes. <laughs> What a great movie. Okay, sorry. I'm That's sorry. That's okay. That's okay. It. It's good. Um, okay. It wouldn't be an episode without you bringing up some mob-tied <laughs> movie or TV show. I know. Um, oh, dear God. So in order to afford university costs, Blagojevich worked at the or for the Trans-Alaska Pipeline System as a dishwasher. Blagojevich graduated from Chicago's Foreman High School. He played basketball in high school, and he also participated in two fights after training as a Golden Gloves boxer. He was a big wow. boxer. Yeah. Um, I can't he, see that. I know. I think he's taller than he looks. Yeah. You know? Um, he graduated from Northwestern University in Illinois in 1979 with the BA in history, and then he earned his law degree from Pepperdine University a School of Law in 1983. He married Patricia Mell, who is the daughter of former Chicago alderman Richard Mell. So we've talked about Chicago before. Uh, it is all about, for these guys, like who you marry. Yeah. You want to marry a, an alderman's daughter or some, get some family. It's all these Ugh. families. It's all the connection, connection, connection when you're in Chicago. Yeah, so gross. Yeah. Um, Blagojevich clerked for Chicago alderman Edward Volderlack. Um, while he was working. So we've talked about him before yeah. during the, sh- when I did, um, Edward Burke. Yes. Um, Edward Volder, Volderlack was one, was the main guy harassing the first black mayor yes. of Chicago, Harold, oh, um, Lee and Washington. Of course, this is the guy he's working for. So he's, yes, this is the guy he's working for. Getting good training. Yes. Ugh. So then Blagojevich then took a job as Cook County assistant state's attorney. 
uh, under State Attorney Richard M. Daly, um, specializing in domestic abuse crimes and felony weapons cases. So in 1982, with the backing of his influential father-in-law, Blagojevich unseated 14-year incumbent Myron Kulas in the Democratic primary for the 33rd State House District in the Illinois House of Representatives, which includes parts of Chicago's North Side. Um, as in this case, as in the case with most state legislative elections, Chicago, this virtually assured him elect the election in November because there's nobody else running. Right. If you're a Democrat in, in Illinois, you're going to shoot up the ladder, especially in the Chicago area. So, of course, he won and he drew um, on his experience as a prosecutor to draft bills that um, he argued would strengthen the state's judicial system and reduce crime. Mm -hmm. So in 1996, um, instead of seeking re-election for the state house, he instead ran for Illinois' 5th Congressional de District based on the north side. Okay, so Blagojevich sounded, soundly defeated his Republican rival Michael Patrick Flanagan by nearly a two-to-one margin with support from his father-in-law, of course. He was elected two more times, taking 74% against Dang. a Republican challenger in 1998 and, having a, and only having a libertarian opponent in 2000. So he wasn't a particularly active congressman when he was in the U.S. Congress, so there's not really a lot yeah. to talk about there. So I'm going to move on to his governor election. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so in 2002, uh, he ran for uh, governor of Illinois. Uh, Blagojevich won a close primary campaign against former Illinois Attorney General uh, Roland Burris and Chicago Public Schools Superintendent Paul Vallis. During the primary, State Senator Barack Obama supported Blagojevich after he won the primary. He was supporting Burris before that, um, serving as a top advisor for the general election. Future Obama senior advisor David Axelrod had previously worked with Blagojevich on congressional campaigns, but did not consider Blagojevich ready to be governor and declined to work with, for him Ooh. on this campaign. Yeah. Um, Those are some nice telltale signs right there. I think so, too. Yeah. In the general election, Blagojevich defeated Republican Illinois Attorney General Jim Ryan. So ethics scandals had plagued the previous governor administration, Republican George Ryan. He had no relation to Jim Ryan, who who Blagojevich was running against. Okay. Um, Blagojevich ran his campaign, of course, because this governor that's sitting there is like marred in 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 scandals. So he ran like you know he's going to end business as usual in Chicago and Illinois, and there's going to be no uh. scandal. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So polls prior to the election found that many Illinois voters were confused about the names of George Ryan and Jim Ryan, yes. a fact which Blagojevich used to his advantage. Perfect. He asked, quote, how can you replace one Ryan with another Ryan and call that change? You want change? Elect a guy named Blagojevich. Uh, that, so, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> it kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Yeah. So uh, Blagojevich won with 52% of the votes over Jim Ryan. And on election night, he said, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Illinois has voted for change. But of course, we know Chicago and Illinois. And it's I mean, like, it's just that's that's what they're good at is this our scandals, oh you know, my God. it's my favorite. So um, <laughs> so while in his first term of office, some of the good things he did. Um, well, one of the great things was that this now was the first time, I think, since 1976 that Illinois had a Democratic governor. So he was the first, yeah, the first time a Democrat had been elected since I think 1976. So, um, no, that, I didn't, yeah, I, it was I mostly Republicans yeah. because of different oh, parts of the well, state. And, yeah. And it's the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so usually like, I think the, the farm part, you know, yes. the, all the stuff from Republican, but he, the bigger cities, that's mostly where the votes come from. So, or for governor, 
and House seats and all of that. So yeah. this is the first time that the Democrats had control of the House, the Senate, and the governor's mansion. Wow. Oh my Way God. Way to go, guy. Yeah. And Tina, <sighs> could you imagine having that? I, every, oh when I wrote God. that, I was like, oh my God, Florida. If that was in Florida, I don't even know what I'd do. <gasps> I, I, when is that going to happen? 20 years? Oh, 10 please. years? Oh my God, I'm going to We'll be cry. underwater. That's when, <laughs> yeah. that's when it'll be blue, when we're underwater. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, okay, so while in office, Blagojevich signed progressive legislation, such as ethics reforms, death penalty reform, um, a state-earned income tax credit, a statewide comprehensive smoking ban, and expansions of health programs like kid care. Blagojevich signed a bill in 2005 that prohibited discrimination based on sexual orientation in employment, housing, and public accommodations and credit, which is awesome, right? Yes. So some of the bad things that happened during his oh. first term. During 2003, more than 1,000 Illinois judges began a class action lawsuit against Blagojevich because he had stopped constitutionally required cost of living pay increases for the judges due to budget restrictions. The case settled in the judges' favor in 2005 with Bogoyevich veto ruled as violating the state's constitution. So you got to give people a cost of living increase. Yeah, but he, this is, this seemed to be from all that I read, a lot of what his problem was were budget stuff, like money Mm. and trying to like take money from one thing and put it on something else. Or, or, you know, he just was, he didn't really have a grasp on what he should be doing in that way. And so he really pissed off a lot of people. And that seems to be the theme that keeps coming up with him as an elected official, as he's working. Yeah, I mean, if you, I couldn't imagine being an ele- a governor and having to handle a budget for an entire state. Dear no. God. But even like, you know, they it's it's easy to run for office and make campaign promises. Yes. It's a totally different thing to then to then be Implement in office it, yeah. and, and figure out how you're gonna make those things happen. Yeah. So um in two thousand four, Bogoyevich has had ordered the Illinois Tollway to erect thirty two signs at a cost of four hundred and eighty thousand dollars, announcing quote the sign said open road tolling and it said Rod R. Blagojevich governor. What that's he just it's basically to have his yeah. name on all these signs and then because he's it's like ego or something. Oh God. In two thousand six the signs were criticized for serving as a as campaign signs and costing significantly more significantly more than the common two hundred dollar signs. Well, and then when he's not governor, they got to change all the signs again. Of course, yes, That's stupid. I know. During us, where are his here's, where are his people going? Um, excuse me, sir. Yeah, <laughs> here's one of my favorite things. You're gonna fucking die. Okay, <laughs> I didn't read it. It's so funny. During a suspected shortage of the flu vaccine in 2004, oh, Blagojevich ordered 260,000 doses from overseas distributors, <gasps> which the FDA had warned would be barred from entering the <gasps> United States. And he ordered them anyway. Oh, no. Although the vaccine doses had cost the state $2.6 million, <gasps> the FDA refused to allow them in the country and a buyer could not be found. They were donated to earthquake survivors in Pakistan a year later. Oh. However, the lots had expired and Pakistan destroyed the vaccines. Oh my God. What a fucking like clown move. Could you imagine? <clears throat> You might as well just take two point six million dollars and burn start it. it on fire. Yeah, yeah <laughs> light a match. What? What? Why would he joke? do that? Because I think he thought that he they would oh, just well, let it's it like in. Ordering he ordered from Amazon. <laughs> yes, I'm they, gonna get some vaccines. Yes. What a nut. Yeah. 
He's a no. He's a nut, right? So Blagojevich had, was criticized. Who? Where is his? <laughs> just where is his I can't, people? I just keep thinking about Pakistan having to like destroy these vaccines. Yeah, but where is the like the the health department people in the state? Okay, we're gonna to get him, to his relationships. Hey guys. Yes, 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 yes. Hey. We're gonna get to why all, all these things happened and why he was just a joke. Okay. Blagojevich was criticized for using what his opponents called gimmicks to balance the state budget. Oh, dear. Republicans claim that he was simply passing the state's fiscal problems onto future generations by borrowing his way to balance budgets. Oh, which is not good. Borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, yes. and now he's screwed. Yes. And the 2005 state budget called for paying the bills. Uh, he called for paying the bills by underfunding a state's employees' pension fund by <gasps> $1.2 billion. Oh my god you do so now you fuck. have all the state employees pissed at you great yeah you do not fuck with people's pension i'm sorry you no. know no one's you're gonna lose it like everybody's gonna f- uprise against you i mean florida did that to the well public school teachers all right so let's get into his 2006 campaign so he's running real running for re-election so numerous scandals brought the governor's approval rating as low as 36 percent oh. with 56 six percent disapproving near the end of 2005 by early 2006 five republicans campaigned in the primary for the right to challenge him in the general election with state treasurer judy Barr tupinka eventually winning the nomination he won the Democratic primary on March 21st with 72% of the vote against challenger Edwin Eisendrath, who Blagojevich would not debate, would, what would not mean? get on there and debate, like, because he's running in a primary yeah. against somebody. He wouldn't he debate w- him. Oh, God, because he's probably stupid. Yeah, or he just thinks he's above it. Like, he yeah. thinks he's got something going on that he doesn't have going. Like, he's above the law or above yeah. all these things. Blagojevich was endorsed by many Democratic leaders, with the notable exception of Attorney General Lisa Madigan, who claimed it was a conflict of interest since her office was investigating him. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get into why they were investigating him, but... Oh. Um, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, so one of the Democratic leaders was then-Illinois Senator Barack Obama, who endorsed the governor in early 2005 and spoke on his behalf at the August 2006 Illinois State Fair. The Union um, American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees declined to endorse Blagojevich for re-election, citing the 500 jobs he eliminated from the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, which left some state parks unsupervised. Oh, my God. I mean, you don't mess with state employees. I know. He's, like, digging his own grave. Um, In the general election, Blagojevich defeated Topinka and the Green Party's Rich Whitney, outspending Topinka $27 million to $6 on the campaign. Again, so, we got to put caps on this stuff, people. Oh, my God. Please. So during his second term, in March 2007, Blagojevich announced and campaigned for his universal health care plan called Illinois Covered. The plan was debated in the Illinois st- State Senate but came one short vote short of passing. He proposed to pay for the plan with the largest tax increase in Illinois history. Mm. He proposed a gross receipts tax on businesses, a $7.6 billion tax increase. What? With proceeds earmarked to provide universal health care in Illinois, increase education spending spending by one point five billion. I mean I like those. I know. Fund <laughs> fund a twenty five billion dollar capital construction plan and reduce the state's forty billion dollar pension debt. That's oh. how much they were in debt with the pension. Forty billion dollars. Oh no. So Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan, who's the father of Lisa Madigan, the woman who wouldn't endorse him because they were investigating him. She's the um, attorney general. Her dad, again, all about family. Michael Madigan is the House Speaker, Illinois House Speaker. So he called for a vote on a non-binding resolution on whether the the state should impose a gross receipts tax. When it became apparent that the resolution would be defeated, Blagojevich announced at the last minute that supporters should vote against it. 
Although the vote was, yeah. So now he's like, I'm going to lose and he's got a safe face, right? So wait, he proposed something. The house is like, and the house is like, no way. And then he's like, yeah, guys, let's, let's not vote for this. Yeah. He started telling people to not vote for it. Although the vote was intended Uh, to be the test vote to gauge whether the measure had any support. The request was seen by many lawmakers from both parties as an attempt to spin the loss positively, right? Like him coming out being like, vote against it. It was defeated by a vote of 107 to zero, 107 to zero, which the Associated Press termed, quote, jaw-dropping. Wow. When asked about the vote on the day, on, the, on that day, Blagojevich said, today, uh, I think, was basically an up. I, I feel good about it, end quote. <laughs> which was such a Trump thing to say, I feel oh like, you know, I feel like it was so Trumpy. Um, also regarding the budget during his second term, Blagojevich was all, uh, criticized for his handling of the budget. In particular, critics cited his unprecedented use of line item and reduction vetoes to remove his political opponents member initiatives from the budget bill. So he went oh, through the budget and no. vetoed with his like line items for people. No, Shady. No, no. Yeah. Come on. I know. Um, okay. So let's get into his relationship with the lawmakers. Cause this is why he's having such a hard time. Uh, Bogoyevich disagreed with many state Democrats while in office with House um, and Senate Republican leaders Frank Watson and Tom Cross often refereeing among the Democrats. During 2008, Bogoyevich even expressed fear that House Democrats would gain more seats and he would face more opposition from his own party. Uh, Bogoyevich is nuts. Yes. Bogoyevich's lieutenant governor was Pat Quinn. Quinn and Bogoyevich publicly disagreed over um, Bogoyevich's proposed gross tax increase, uh, receipts tax increase, um, and the re- the increased revenue for schools and other projects without throughout Illinois. Queen, Quinn said in December 2008 that he had last spoken to Bogoyevich in the summer of 2007. Like, they weren't even talking. Wow. Bogoyevich often feud, also feuded with Attorney General Lisa Madigan, Comptroller Dan Hines, oh Secretary God. of State Jesse White, and How do you State get anything Tre- done? I know. And State Treasurer Alex Giannoulias, all of whom are Democrats. Blagojevich, could you, you imagine this opportunity? Ha- yes, you have the whole three. You've got the gem. The planets are oh aligned. And the you planets throw it are away. Al- yeah, and you can't get out of your get own oh fucking God. way, girl. Men. Um, so he was often at odds with members of both parties in the state legislature. Democratic legislator Jack Frank said that the reason Bogoyevich had problems passing laws with the cooperation of the General Assembly is that he did not spend enough time with the legislature. Quote, that's a real reason he has such poor relations with the legislature and can't get out of get his, any of his agenda passed because he doesn't talk to anybody. End quote. When lawmakers working on a budget during a special session met at 10 a.m. rather than 2 p.m., Bogoyevich's attorney threatened that the governor was considering legal action against them, the involved representatives. Democratic Rep. Joe Lyons told reporters, quote, we have a madman. This man is insane. End quote. Oh, great. Like, because they met at a different time than Thank what God. they said. Is, can you imagine? Um, There's so much work to do. I know. Although Barack Obama served as an advisor to Bogoyevich's 2002 gubernatorial campaign, by all accounts, Bogoyevich and Obama have been estranged for years. Bogoyevich oh, did not I'm endorse. Glad to hear this. Bogoyevich did not endorse <laughs> Obama in the 2004 United States Senate race, and Obama did not invite Bogoyevich to speak at the 2008 Democratic National Convention Ooh. as he did to Lisa Madigan, Hines, and Daniel. Oh, <laughs> 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 also had also disagreed publicly with then Democratic Chicago Mayor Richard M. Daley, who he had worked for as a, a state attorney. 
Um, after their dispute over Chicago Transit Authority's uh, funding, Daly called Bogoyevich cuckoo <laughs> and said he did not want to argue with the governor since, quote, he's arguing with everybody in America, end quote. Soon after meeting uh, another one, soon after meeting a meeting of 2007 in 2007 with Democratic State Senator Mike Jacobs meant to convince Jacobs to vote for Bogoyevich's health insurance proposals. Jacobs emerged telling reporters that the governor, quote, blew up at him like a 10 year old child, end quote. Oh, dear. And then, of course, Bogoyevich didn't comment. But jo- Jacobs said in 2008 that this is a governor who I don't think has a single ally except for Senate President Emile Jones. And that's tenuous at best, end quote. Okay, so you got this guy, right? Fast rising, doing, trying to do things. Doesn't listen to anyone. Doesn't listen to anyone. He's out of his, you know, it sounds to me like. Say, I don't, I'm not sure. There's the state treasury department. There are people that are working with the budget that you can go to and say, hey. Yes, but I think that he wants it all on his own, he or wants maybe to doesn't want one. to admit that he doesn't know right how to do something. Right, you know, it's like asking for directions. You know what I mean? Yes. Or and he really wants to be the one. He, I mean, like I, I said, campaign promises are nice, but when it gets down to it, how are you going to do all these things? And he wanted to again take from the pensions to do. You know, right. he was. That's not, why everybody when when people talk about whatever promise they make they want to see well what's the plan right because they've you know how are you going to do how that? are you going to do it yeah okay so let's get into this scandal yay um, <laughs> uh in 2008 Bogoyevich was under investigation for corrupt activity for four years as part of a broader federal investigation by u.s attorney patrick Fitz- fitzgerald and the code name was operation board games <laughs> Which I think should be the title of this episode. I love episode. that. <laughs> Operation Board Game. I was just thinking about how fucking cool that name is. It is cool, but I... <laughs> and I want to be of someone who names these operations. I know. <laughs> but I'm just... I'm curious, because usually there's some sort of connection to something. Like, yeah. why board games? Okay. We'll get into why. <gasps> so 15 people had been charged... Have been charged in connection with this investigation since this whole thing broke. Uh, Blagojevich had long been suspected to be a target of the investigation, but it was confirmed by U.S. District uh, Judge Amy St. Eve that he was the, quote, public official A referred to in the federal indictment of Tony Resco. So Resco was an Illinois Chicago businessman, very wealthy, and he was a huge donor to Blagojevich's 2002 governor's race. Okay. So he was able, after Blagojevich won, he was one of these point people setting up the new administration and he was involved in there kind of like what trump did trump brought in and gave ambassadorships to people who were like people owned hotels yeah and who donated money and stuff yes and i guess that's the way it works but i don't get that though i don't either especially since the person who was the ambassador to the eu and was called in on all those hearings for what trump said on that recording about going after the uh, whatever it was yeah. this guy had no clue what he was supposed to be doing and it was just very glaringly obvious that this guy's an ambassador to the eu and yeah. and really had only worked on as a business person had no idea how to do that job it was yeah. very bizarre and uh, because, it'd be like giving me an ambassadorship to the eu i'd be yeah. like uh, i don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know what but I mean? because there's this thing in our country that if you're a successful business person that somehow it translates. It it, it it somehow means that you are good morally, that you're high intelligent. Like there's all of these things, and it doesn't. It might just be like you're good with hotels, 
Right. Right. Maybe you're good in business. Yes. But when it comes to foreign affairs yes. and ambassadors to the mean entire it's the same thing. Yeah. And I just feel like like the problem is that we equate it's the same thing like with celebrity. Just because a celebrity is rolling in a lot of money and has this Instagram presence that somehow they are valued as being better mm-hmm. than other people or that they or that what they say matters. Right. And it's like this is a guy that just did TikToks and now has $7 million. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it doesn't give anyone any greater intellectual ability right. to run shit. And also your skills as a businessman doesn't necessarily, though they don't necessarily um, translate to right. government. That's not necessarily how that works. Okay. So, you know, he wins this 2002 campaign and Tony Resgo, he was able to have his business associates appointed onto several state boards. Um, and this is what Blagojevich allowed. And Resco, so they're targeting Resco, but under Resco, right. there's all these people well, I mean, who are going to fall. Clear yeah, that this is yeah. So Resco and several others cronyism. were indicted on federal charges in October 2006 for using their connections on the state boards to demand kickbacks from businesses that wish to engage in dealings with the state. While the others pled guilty, Resco pled pleaded not guilty and was tried. He was found guilty of 16 of the 24 charges mm. and he was sentenced to 10 and a half years in prison. Good. So under that investigation, there's all these people and ding dong, uh, Bogoyevich he's be like, oh, I didn't know. was listed as public yeah. official a, like he's the number one person that we know some shit's happening. Like about to go down. Yeah. So just before the 2008 U S general elections where our, our, our love of our lives was elected president of the United States. Oh my God. I still, um, I have a pick. Uh, I still have, Wait, picture. 2008? Yes, that's right. 2008, 2012? Yeah. Yes. Okay, God. Okay, so um, the so right before that general election, the federal investigators were granted authority to tape Blagojevich's conversations. So they had enough Ooh. after going after Tony Resco to go after, to start oh, investigating Blagojevich. Oh, I can't Blagojevich. wait to see what he says. Yeah. So on December 8th, 2008, a pre- in a press conference, Blagojevich, so he's saying this, what I'm about to tell you, because everybody knows, like once somebody starts to get investigated, like everybody knows shit's going down yeah. and he must know that shit's going down right now. He's in his second term. He knows he's that, that Resco has been arrested. Hills. Yeah. So he says in a press conference, whether you take me privately or publicly, I can tell you that whatever I say always lo- is always lawful and the things I'm interested in are always lawful, end quote. Oh, so he knows. Yeah. He also said, if anybody wants to tape my conversations, go right ahead. Feel free to do it. I appreciate anybody who wants to tape me openly and notoriously. And those who feel like they want to sneakily and wear tape, <laughs> did I say that right? Yeah. And wear taping devices, I would remind them it kind of smells like Nixon and Watergate, end quote. Yeah, but oh, he's a victim. Yeah, but but Nixon was doing was, bad things. Yeah, and, and then he got busted because <laughs> yeah. he was doing bad things. So yeah. hello, I know. <laughs> so uh, okay, then at six fifteen a.m. on December 9th, the next day, oh, <laughs> he knew it was yes. coming. Rod Blagojevich and his chief of staff John Harris were arrested at their homes by deputies oh, of the U.S. Marshal yes. Service on behalf of the FBI. Get them, motherfuckers. God, Blagoj- we got to get an FBI guy on here to <gasps> talk to us. Ooh, I might know somebody. <gasps> I know. Don't um, tease me, girl. And he worked in Chicago, which would <gasps> fucking break my... Uh, I, I, okay, sorry. Sorry. That would be a five-hour little oh muck. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the way, did I tell you how much I laugh when you say a little muck when you introduce it? Oh, I start I to like... I have to bite my tongue <laughs> to not laugh out loud. Okay, so Blagoj- which was the whole point of why we called it that. I know. <laughs> So, Blagojevich and Harris were each charged with one count of conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud and one count of soliciting bribes. The case, there's other stuff too, but the case involved sweeping pay-to-play board games 
and influenced mm. peddling allegations, including the alleged solicitation of personal benefit in exchange for an appointment to the U.S. Senate as a replacement for Barack Obama. Oh, please. So that's the big thing. The big thing please. is we're going to sell the seat now because the governor gets to appoint the replacement, replacement of the seat. Oh so Barack God. Obama gets elected president and now there's this open seat and Blagojevich is wow. like, golden egg, motherfucker, right? So I, yeah. uh, the attorney general God, Fitzgerald. I hate people so much. I know, the attorney general. Just do your job. <laughs> Fitzgerald noted that there, would be, there was no evidence of wrongdoing by Barack Obama. He had no idea that any of this oh, shit was going on. Of course not. Because he's an angel. Um, <laughs> the governor viewed his power to appoint a replacement for Obama in the U.S. Senate as a currency of the form that could assure his future. Soon after the president's uh, presidential election, it became very clear to Fitzgerald from his wiretaps that a sale of the Senate seat with imminent was imminent. My so God. he pushed for immediate uh, arrest of Bogoyevich yes. before he could do anything. Um, after the arrest, the prosecution began proceedings to obtain an indictment from a grand jury and a grand jury, a federal grand jury in Illinois returned an indictment against Bogoyevich and five other defendants on April 2nd, 2009. Blagojevich is the seventh Illinois governor to have been arrested or indicted. Whew, a state. Illinois, come mm, on, guys. Honey, <laughs> muck central. I know. So, um. That's the first stop on our tour. <laughs> and we can go on tour. That's the first stop. <laughs> well, mostly because of the pizza, but yes, we're going there. So, as well as the allegations concerning the Senate seat, Blagojevich has also, was also been charged with, are you ready oh, for please. this? Attempting to extort the owners of the Tribune Company to fire Chicago Tribune editors who criticized the governor's <gasps> handling of state affairs. Come on. The press. First Amendment. He's going after them. Oh, my God. Abuse of power concerning release of $8 million of state funds to Children Memorial Hospital expecting oh, to no. obtain a $50,000 campaign contribution from them. If Come he gave on. them this money, he'd get a campaign contribution. Seeking graft in the form of $2.5 million in campaign contributions through 2008 from companies and individuals who have received state contracts or appointments. Oh Again, the same, the same bullshit from Chicago. This is the same thing they do. What is it called? It's like the, I forgot what they called it, but doing the favors. Pro quo. Yeah, it's a yeah. favor system, right? So fraud involving the appointment of a senator to fill the Senate seat vacated Barack Obama has been the most notable charge about Bogoyevich. Um, he was overheard on a recorded phone call saying, quote, Oh, please. I've got this thing and it's fucking golden. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not giving it up for nothing. It's a fucking valuable thing. You just don't give it away for nothing. If I don't get what I want, I'll just take the Senate seat for myself. End quote. <gasps> really class act. This guy. It's golden. Wow. Could you imagine? He's going to take it for himself. <laughs> Wow, so he's like, it's to the highest bidder. Yes. So here's oh. what he wanted. So he allegedly sought the following in exchange for the appointment. One, he wanted a substantial salary for himself at either a nonprofit foundation or an organization affiliated with labor unions. Two, placing his wife on paid corporate boards where he speculated she might garner as much as $150,000 a year. Please. Three, promises of campaign funds, including cash up front. And for a cabinet poster ambassadorship for for himself to Serbia, which is where his family is from. So any of these things, but if you can get me an ambassadorship, that'd be great. Can, yeah. Then I can just go fly and see my family for yeah. free. Cabinet post, though. What about that? My <laughs> God. <laughs> I mean. My God. And just like, oh, you could just get uh, just be on this nonprofit board. It's like aggressive. It's bold. It's ballsy. Like, just and he's getting so his wife fucking... involved. Oh, please, this bitch. So... 
I don't mean it like that, but it's funny. With something she that happens She had to know because he's probably like, hun, I She's grown you. up in Chicago, yeah. Alderman. Her father, she knows the game. It reminds me of that show Boss. Have you ever oh. seen that show Boss with Kelsey Grammer? No. It's all about Chicago. Oh, my God. He marries the daughter of, an, of a, a mayor, of a, a former mayor. Same kind of bullshit. So anyway, that's fake show. Though. I know. <laughs> and you know, thing. God, I love Kelsey Grammer, but I do not like his no, he's a mess. Stance. He's a fucking mess. Come okay. on, Kelsey Grammer. So after his arrest, he was signed out on a $4,500 bond and went back to work, issuing a statement that said, quote, the allegations do nothing to impact the services, duties, or functions of the state, end quote. I'm going so back these, to work. Yeah, these guys are nuts. Like, yeah. why? What am I doing that's stopping me from doing my job? Oh, my God. So, of course, he doesn't have any friends in the state house or the state senate. No, they're, and probably they're like, like, thank God. Time's up, motherfucker. Yes, right? Get out. So... Of course, several elected officials called for Blagojevich to resign, and he wouldn't, including Barack Obama. Now the president is saying, get out. Yes. And he wouldn't. And other people, the head of the party, people in Illinois. Just go away. Yeah. He had no friends in the <laughs> Illinois House, and they voted six days after the scandal broke to hold impeachment hearings with a 113-0 vote. On January oh, he's 8th. good with those. Yeah. All, uh, all, all, all in. All, all in votes, man. <laughs> on January 8th, 2009, the 21-member Bipartisan Committee on Impeachment voted un, un, uh, unanimously to recommend that the House impeach the governor. The wow. following day, the full House voted 114 to 1 to impeach the governor. So, say 114 to 1. I think that was somebody who was a friend of his, like a oh. sister or something. It was somebody that, like, knew him. I forgot. I, I saw it, but I, I think it was, like, his this. wife's sister or something weird like that. Where but, she's like, I just can't go to Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah how am I going to do this? If I vote against him. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is exactly like if we're going to impeach the president, he can yes. get it voted to impeach in the house, but then it goes to Senate, Senate for a trial. So okay. the same thing happens here. So after the Illinois house impeached Blagojevich, the Illinois Senate held a trial at which Illinois Supreme court chief justice, Thomas R. Fitzgerald presided. So under Illinois constitution, if we're talking about the governor, the, um, the Supreme court justice has and to come in and still present. Democrat, uh, the Democrats have the, yes. Yeah. So the impeachment trial in the Illinois state Senate began on January 26th, 2009. Lugoyevich refused to participate in the trial, calling it a, quote, kangaroo court, which I love. My favorite. He did He did have a lawyer there, though, defending him, but he didn't want to participate in any of the Oh, what a baby. Yeah. The Senate played some of the FBI tapes, not all of them, because his trial hadn't happened yet. Yeah. So they couldn't play all of it. Yeah. Um, and they also had an FBI agent who had been investigating Blagojevich for years testify. Ugh. So, um, but then on January 28th, Blagojevich requested the opportunity to deliver his own closing arguments. Oh God. Although he would not testify or submit himself to cross-examination. What? So he's going to come Again, in at the end. He's going to come and just spout <laughs> and off. Do this thing. He's such a baby. <laughs> no. Um, the Senate allowed Blagojevich to file an appearance late. Even though it was late, they let him do it, enabling him to make the closing argument. The following day on January 29th, the prosecution delivered a 40-minute closing argument. Blagojevich then delivered his 47-minute closing argument oh, in God. his defense. People are probably like, ugh. Yeah, barf. Among Blagojevich's statement were oh. closing, continuing reminders that he believed the process to be tainted because it did not allow him to call witnesses or challenge the evidence. Although, as a Chicago Tribu Tribune reported two days later, the process did in fact allow the governor to call witnesses and challenge the evidence. But Blagojevich had done neither by the deadline. Like, he's not even participating. But then yeah. he's like, oh, it's not fair. The prosecution then made a 12-minute rebuttal. Blagojevich did not remain in the state house. Get ready to fucking die. 
He did not remain in the state house for the prosecution's rebuttal speech or the vote on his impeachment. After giving his closing statement, Bogoyevich immediately left Springfield to return to Chicago, his home in Chicago, aboard an official state aircraft. Had Bogoyevich remained in Springfield for his impeachment, he would have been immediately ineligible to be transported on state aircraft oh, as he would no longer jerk. be the governor. So he would he's have had such to. such a jerk. He's yeah. like, I got to get one more plane ride in. He would have been stranded in Springfield, responsible uh. for his own transportation home. What a jerk. One last time on yeah. the on the company jet, right? Yeah, bring me bring me some whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Getting after, all the, uh, the treats on the plane. Yeah. And after a recess, the Senate debated the vote on the article of impeachment. Under the Illinois Constitution, a ter- two-thirds majority or 41 votes out of 59 was required to convict him on the article of impeachment. After several hours of deliberations, Rod Blagojevich was convicted and removed from office by unanimous vote of 59 to 0. Now, you know, here we go. Democrats have the House, Democrats have the the Senate, and they're able to recognize that the leader in their state is doing something wrong, and they did the right thing, mm-hmm. and they impeached him. Yeah. Just saying. I mean, because we recently had something happen in our country, and it didn't go, didn't go that way. So State Senator um, Michael, I'm sorry, State Senator Mike Freex. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, then moved that McBogoyevich be banned from ever holding office in Illinois. Yes. Yes, motherfucker. Yes. Yes. Right. Oh, it made me so happy. This motion carried also by unanimous vote of 59 to zero. Shortly after the vote, the lieutenant governor, Pat Quinn, was sworn in as the new governor. Uh, Although Bogoyevich is disqualified from ever running in for the gov- any government of Illinois office, he is eligible to run for federal office, such as his old congressional seat. Just putting that out there. So <sighs> before his trial, um, he starts making television appearances. Okay. So after being convicted and removed from office by the Illinois Senate, Bogoyevich went on the late show with David Letterman and the daily show with Jon Stewart, where, where he reaffirmed his innocence and stated that the Illinois legislature's decision to remove him from office was politically motivated. Okay. He accused, he was, he even accused his successor, Pat Quinn, of using state funds for excessively excessively for personal use which later came out this guy this guy quinn never even took the 32 dollar like per diem for meals every day like this guy never took shit from the fucking yeah. office right he's like a good guy so bogoyevich uh attempted tina get ready bogoyevich attempted to make a deal to star in nbc's 2009 summer reality show i'm a celebrity get me out of here oh my god he made a request to the judge with with the judge to ease his travel restrictions so he could travel to costa rica to star in the show saying that his family <laughs> needed to make money Oh my God! I mean, Tina. I, I mean, not for nothing. It probably would have been kind of fun to yeah. to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so, however, his request was formally rejected by U.S. District Judge James Zagel, who was sympathetic to Bogoyevich's financial situation, but nevertheless said, "Quote: I don't think this is a, this defendant fully understands, and I don't think he could understand the position he finds himself in." Yeah, end quote. Like, You're going to jail. You're, what guy. are you doing? <laughs> so, Judge Zagel went on further to note that Bogoyevich must prepare for his defense. Despite the ruling, NBC expressed an interest in negotiating with the judge to have Bogoyevich as part of its show. His wife took his place on the show, which began <gasps> airing June 1st, 2009. Oh. Now listen to this next thing, because oh. you're going to fucking die. No. Bogoyevich told an interviewer he found it difficult to watch his wife eat a dead tarantula on the broadcast, but remarked that her willingness to participate in the show was, quote, an act of love, <laughs> because she was earning funds to alleviate their adverse financial position, end quote. Well, maybe if you weren't such a tool. Yeah. Now that is a new definition of standing by your man. Like I eat a tarantula. Are you out of your fucking mind? No. Remember what was that show? um, 
God. It was like years ago. And the, the whole premise of the show was like, eat a tarantula. Is, in was a box. it Fear Factor? Yes. yes. That's a good show. That's a good show. I couldn't watch it because they would no, put people in a box of gross like, stuff. with like cockroaches. No, no, no. Forget no. it. Forget it. Um, no. So on no. June, uh, so he uh, he ends up going and, and he, he did like, he did like an improv group show. Like he's totally like out there acting as if everything's great. On June 30th, 2009, You'll like this. Bogoyevich's autobiography, The Governor, The Truth Behind the Political Sandal That Continues to Rock the Nation, was announced for print release on September 8th, 2009. The book was also released by Amazon.com for sale as an ebook for the Kindle. <laughs> Same day <laughs> of the announcement. I thought you would like that. That's funny. Um, here we go. So, Bogoyevich appeared on season nine of The Celebrity Apprentice in spring 2010, oh. asserting that he has the skill and know-how to get things accomplished on the series. Series star and producer Donald Trump... Ugh. Praise Bogoyevich's, quote, tremendous courage and guts. And All predicted, he uses is that word tremendous. I know. I'm sorry. It's been 10 years. It's still happening. <sighs> and predicted that he would become one of the show's breakout stars. Trump subsequently fired Bogoyevich in the fourth episode of the season, which, <laughs> which aired in April 2010. Um, in an interview with Esquire magazine in January 2010, Bogoyevich said about, the pre about President Obama, quote, Everything he's saying on the t is on the teleprompter. I'm blacker than Barack Obama. <gasps> I shine shoes. I grew up in a five-room <gasps> apartment. My father had a little laundromat in a black community not far from where he lived. I saw, I saw it all growing up, end quote. <laughs> he's oh my so God. bitter, so bitter, so angry that he's not involved in that. You know what I mean? Oh, my He probably God. thought he should be, he thought he could be in the Barack Obama, a cabinet position in that fucking administration. This, Please. this twerp, this prick. Please. Yeah. Um, but, so then he soon backpedaled from the blacker then saying that he chose his words poorly, but he stood by his message that, quote, the frustration is real and the frustration is still today. Average ordinary people aren't getting a fair shake, end quote. That's what he was basically saying. That they're not you were a liar and a cheat and a swindler. And look how far you got, bro. Like, why aren't you acting like, he, I mean, you know, like he was a nobody. He was the governor of the state twice elected. He mm. could have done so much. I know. Blagojevich, here's the saddest thing. Blagojevich made an appearance at the Wizard World Chicago Comic Convention in August 2010, conversing no. with and taking pictures with attendees. He charged $50 for an autograph and $80 for a photo. My God. So but all of that. So this is right. you just get a job? Isn't he an attorney? Like, go get that's a what job. That's I, I, I don't understand just any of this. Go get a job. But he wants to does be any, famous. But, does anyone want to do a nine-to-five job? No, no, th that's what I'm saying. You know, why like, can't she go get a job? She wants she, to go eat a tarantula instead of fucking getting a job. You know, like everyone, you got to work. You got to get a just, job. What yes. It is. Everybody like, wants what? to be famous. Oh, um, no. Okay. So let's get through his trial okay. real quick because we've got a, this long, the show's so fucking long. All right. It doesn't matter. No, it's good. It's good. So <laughs> on August 17th, 2010, he was convicted of the 24 federal charges. Um, I'm sorry, of on one of the 24 federal charges, a charge of lying to the FBI, and the jury was hung on the 23 other counts. The defense did not call a single witness, claiming that prosecutors did not prove their case. Oh, because the jury could not agree on the remaining charges, a mistrial was ordered on those counts. And within 15 minutes after the mistrial was declared, the prosecution team announced they would definitely pursue a retrial for those 23 counts. So federal prosecutors reduced the number of counts to the, what they could right. actually get him on uh, for Bogoyevich's retrial. And on June 27, 2011, he was found guilty of 17 of the 20 remaining charges. Bye. Bye. He was found guilty on all charges pertaining to the Senate seat, as well as extortion relating to state funds being directed towards a children's hospital and a racetrack. However, 
Um, he was acquitted on a charge pertaining to the tollway extortions. There's all these other yes. charges that he was he was found not got, not guilty on um, or acquitted on. On December 7th, 2011, Bogoyevich was sentenced to 14 years in federal prison. He reported to prison on March 15th, 2012 at Federal Correctional Institution in Englewood, Colorado. While in the federal penitentiary... <laughs> Sometimes I got to take a deep breath before I, I say things. While in the federal penitentiary, Bogoyevich was the lead singer for a prison rock band no. called <laughs> the Jailhouse Rockers. No. Named after the Elvis Presley song. No. Tina. Please, is there footage? I don't know. Is but there a I band picture? was writing this yesterday. Can I get the t-shirt? <laughs> I was fucking dying. And I was laughing. And it was like tears. And my son's like, oh my are you God. okay? I'm like, <laughs> I was like, the story, the twist, the turns. The twist it never turns. ends with this guy. Uh, that record got me high. Uh, can we get a copy of that record? Can we listen? Can we somehow, can we do something? <laughs> yes. We're calling out to our podcast friends. That record got me high. We need to cover the Jailhouse Rock. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and of course the band dissolved when the lead guitarist was released. So <laughs> the band broke up <laughs> for various oh reasons. Oh my God. Yeah. So Please, of course. SoundCloud. Is there a SoundCloud? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I just love this guy so much. Um, he tried to appeal his sentence several times, but they were all denied. And again, it was like to this Illinois Supreme Court. Yes. To the, to the, also, do your time. I don't go into this because it was a long back and forth, but he did end up appointing um, Burris, the guy he ran against for the governor's race. He appointed him to the Senate seat. Now, everybody tried to get this stopped. He did it before he was impeached in those oh, few days after this. My you God. know, He was able to do it. And the U.S. Congress was trying to block it. When Burris showed up for his first day of office, they're like, fuck you. No way. Yeah, get, out. get the fuck out of here. And he was like, oh, I'm allowed to. Yes. So they had a whole trial. Illinois House had a whole or Senate had a whole trial. They really wanted to determine if this guy had paid anything or right, agreed to anything right. to get the seat. And he had said to Blagojevich, because he was on this list to get the seat, he said, I'll just hold it until there's an election and I won't run for election. Right. And um, he it ended up going back and forth. And the Illinois Supreme Court is like, no, he can have the seat. It needs to be signed by the clerk. The clerk refused to sign the paperwork. Um, and they signed it and he was sent. And he only served for a year before somebody ran for the seat. So okay. he was only there till 2010. Anyway, it was a long, long back and forth. And I, we didn't need to get into it. But anyway, so finally... President Donald Trump told reporters on May 31st, 2018, <sighs> that he was considering commuting Blagojevich's sentence without pardoning him, so, which means he can get out of yes. jail, but his charges, like everything, he's still guilty. Yeah. This doesn't wipe his record, etc. Trump called Blagojevich's sentence unfair, saying that Blagojevich's statements about enriching himself were stupid, but also the sort of thing that many other politicians say. Oh, my God. <laughs> he would know. He's our president. Blagojevich oh filed a petition officially asking President Trump for commutation of his sentence. So he hears this and he's like, oh, shit. I can get out. He's, he's thinking about this. So he finally, so he officially files his paperwork on June 5th, 2018. Uh, a few days later. And in August 2019, Trump commented on report to reporters that he was very strongly considering issuing a commutation. Um, and then on February 18th, 2020, President T Trump commuted Blagojevich's 14 year corruption sentence, wiping away the sentence, but not the conviction. And this is what Blagojevich said. I'm sorry. This is what Trump said. I don't know him very well. I've met him a couple of times. He was on for a short time on The Apprentice years ago. Seemed like a very nice person. Don't know him, but he served eight years in jail. That That's a long time to go. What? 
That's what uh, he said. I don't know him. But just because he was on my show, essentially. I think it's because he was on the show, yeah. and I think it's also because Bogoyevich isn't like Obama. And all the and all those Dems hate him. Yes. So he's like... So he's like, how can I rile people up, yeah. right? Some sources noted that in addition to the Apprentice <sighs> Connection, Trump and his organization had made contributions to Bogoyevich's political campaigns, including his 20, 2002 a governor's race. Bogoyevich was released from prison that day and flew home to Chicago that night. Speaking to reporters after his release, he stated, quote, I am profoundly grateful to President Trump and I will be for as long as I will be for as long as I live. Um, well, we know who he's voting for. Yeah. Yeah. He said Trump is a man who not only is not only tough and outspoken and strong, but he has a kind heart and procla- proclaimed proclaimed himself to be a Trumpocrat. <laughs> Which I didn't realize was a fucking thing. I don't think it is. Um, it better not be, dear God. I know. On February 19th, I'm almost done. On February 19th, Bogoyevich held a press conference at his home in Chicago's Ravenswood neighborhood where he remained defiant towards his conviction, describing himself as, quote, a political prisoner, end quote, and, oh. comprom- and promised to use his experience to, pri- to in prison to fix his the broken criminal justice system. Okay. Against the white guy who was elected governor. Yeah. Of a scammed, he got yeah. It's broken for him, right? You're a political prisoner. Could you imagine? Like you're Nelson Mandela. Can you imagine this fucking guy? So Illinois, so here we (laughs) listen to this. This is the final like nail in the coffin. Illinois House GOP leader Jim Durkin criticized the president's decision to commute Bogoyevich's sentence. Good for him, stating that Bogoyevich was rogue on steroids when he (laughs) abused his the office, and that Trump was not concerned about the people of Illinois in November. Of course not. You know, like you obviously don't think this is going to have an effect on you. Okay. Following the commutation, the Illinois Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission found that Bogoyevich engaged in, quote, a pattern of dishonest and deceptive conduct and recommended his disbarment to the Illinois Supreme Court. Good. And on May 18th, 2020, the Supreme Court Ooh. of Illinois officially disbarred Bogoyevich. Dang, now you can't even be a lawyer. That's it. Sucks for you. Yep. Like, even in he, he gets out. Now, you're not making money this way. Maybe yeah. you can go eat a tarantula somewhere. Oh, my God. Well, he could he could maybe try to get the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his lead guitarist yeah. is out. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't know if Jailhouse Rockers will work anymore, but he can. <laughs> oh, my God. Jailbirds. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. I, I, I need a photo. There's got to be someone somewhere that has some... We're recording music. Record of this. Oh, shit. I should have looked for that. I just oh. read that sentence and I was like, this fucking guy. He's amazing. He's amazing. And there's pictures of him in the prison yard, like working out without a shirt on. He looks very good. But he has that white, white hair, which I was like, damn, he was dying that shit. Like uh. this boyish haircut. It was so bizarre, that Is hair. something? I don't know. That kind of creeps me out, the idea of him without a shirt in the jail yard. He looks, he looks, uh, he looks good. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put a bag on that head, but... His body looks good. Okay. I mean, what else is yeah, he doing? Yeah, he's from working. The neck up. We just forget the rest. <laughs> he's working out and he's in a band. I mean, that's hot. Yeah. Hey. You know, maybe, yeah, he can parlay that into something. I bet. Yeah. I mean, the other parts he's in jail, but like, all right, he's having fun. <laughs> he's enjoying himself. So good episode, episode thirty in oh, the bag. God. Yeah, girl. All right. Well, let's end it. I mean, we are like one thirty or something. <laughs> it's all right. All right. So, have a good week. I will see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. 
To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty. Coming up next week on the Muck Podcast. It established a property qualification for voting that effectively disenfranchised most Hawaiians and immigrant laborers and favored the wealthier white elite. Resident whites were allowed to vote, but resident Asians were not. Oh, dear. And I like him because it's a... It's one of these Italian Americans. Oh, it's one I, of these I, Italian Americans. I'm in predicting office. a Goodfellas, <laughs> Sopranos, Godfather quotes oh, God. are coming. <laughs>